0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of movie season. Today we are continuing our sports month theme for September. And today we're gonna to be talking about one of our favorite I don't even know if I want to say guilty pleasure sports movies, but just a movie that we could watch a hundred times and still enjoy it, and that is Blood Sport starring Jean Claude Van Damme. So
1: it's in the title.
0: What? Sport. Yeah. You know and it's mean? one of the, I mean, it's definitely a competition to the death in some I cases. I think you
1: could say it's a sports slash, I mean, you could say it's an action. I mean, if you went to the video store, it'd probably be in the action section. But yeah, it's a, it's I would a think hybrid. It's, yeah, I would think yeah. it's
0: first and foremost probably action. Yeah. So let's first start off with we watched this last night. And the first thing I noticed is something that I I forgot or I just never saw or whatever. But the very beginning of the movie has a, Pretty cool training montage of all of the major fighters that you're gonna see in this movie, and you got one guy he's kicking huge blocks of ice into smithereens. You got another dude that, for whatever reason, he is walking around and moving around an animal.
1: He's searching. He was picking coconuts off a tree. I think.
0: No, he. Yeah, he jumps up onto a tree and then he. I think that's chops a, him.
1: I think that's a fighting style.
0: I'm sure. I mean, it has
1: to be. I didn't do any research on that particular fighting style, but I did that is the one thing I want to just kick it off with is We watched this movie so much growing up. It was one of those rentals that you would get and you'd just get it every single time. I mean, if I remember correctly, Bloodsport was it was a straight-to-video movie, if I'm if I remember correctly. I mean,
0: I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't Well, I, I mean, think they're
1: for I think there for a while all these Van Damme movies, a couple of these Van Damme movies, that's again, that's how he became such a huge star. I want to look that up. I just remember that it was such a big movie when it came out, even when I was such a – I'm sure you remember it more than I did. I just remember watching it when I was growing up, and it was awesome. But I remember when I got older, I was, man, I wonder how well it did at the box office. And if I remember correctly, I think it was a straight-to-video release. But while you're looking that up, I I did love how they showed the different fighting styles. That was really cool to me, how everybody had their own – like. The characters, other than the main characters in the movie, you got a sense of the personality of all these fighters without them having much dialogue at all, just by their fighting style.
0: Yeah, it actually did go to the box office, made fifty million dollars on a one point five million dollar budget.
1: it so it did go. See, that's the thing. I wonder what other movies. I just remember there for a while, Van Dam was having. He was one of the first big stars. That but was he, right, put. but
0: again, those are We would have been way too young to see those in theater. So I'm pretty sure all of his movies went. I mean, if this one went to theater, then all the other yeah. ones did. Because this this was the... I always thought that Kickboxer was the the first one to have him in it. But yeah. this actually came before Kickboxer. So, But anyways, so yeah. So then it goes to Jean-Claude Van Damme in his training. And it's pretty... What's the word I'm looking for? Intense. Intense. And it's also very weird. One scene he is grabbing fish out of a little koi pond it looks with his bare hands and then another one he is he's blindfolded first he's blindfolded fighting and then after that he is blindfolded serving breakfast to his shidoshi which i guess is a sensei and his wife. At, at this
1: moment, I, if I was thinking about this when we were watching it again, obviously I love this movie and we both love it, but I was thinking if you were to show, if you were to be, say you recommended it to a friend or somebody or girlfriend or something, you like, hey, let's just watch Bloodsport. It's a movie I, I watched a hundred times growing up. Let's watch it. I want you to watch some of these movies. <laughs> at that moment, you'll know if they're in or they're out. If they're in after his montage scene, they're either in or they're out because it doesn't get any more kind of B-movie-esque since that point. There's still a couple of little parts throughout the movie, but that's the part that somebody's either going to be all in on Bloodsport or they're going to be out.
0: I'll say this. There's still time for them to get into it because they haven't even gotten to the the thing yet. And to me, that's one of the coolest parts is when they first show up at the Kumite. But, but yeah, I mean, if they can get through that first 20 minutes and still be like, okay, I'll see where this goes, then, yeah, I, I think they're, they're definitely in for the long haul. Another part of his training is he gets tied up with rope on each of his extremities and is just stretched to the fullest extent that a human body can withstand. Yeah. And it's just... Well,
1: and that's what I'm saying. That part, when you watch it again, it's kind of, oh, this is kind of goofy. It's just, what the hell are they doing? But again, if you're all in at that point, if you're into the movie, that's a really cool part. That's showing who Frank is. It's showing that this guy's committed. He's not just here. Frank Dukes, yeah. Yeah. And did I mispronounce his name? No, 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 no. I just,
0: oh. I just wanted people to know that that's his yeah, name. Frank Dukes, yeah, Frank Dukes, yeah.
1: But th- that's the thing is it, it gives you a sense of, and, and it's one of the longest flashbacks because he goes mm-hmm. in to to meet him on his deathbed, and Frank sees that sword. And it, the, the flashback's five minutes, and then it comes back to Frank still standing there, which is just an extremely long flashback scene. But it's, it's vital to the movie. I feel like without that scene... If, if Frank would have just showed up kicking ass and you would have just had people talking about it, wouldn't have been near as cool. That whole training montage is one of the best parts of the movie for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's definitely one of those things where it's it adds a little bit of backstory. Him and his friends break into this guy's house to steal the sword, and then, yeah. of course, they get caught, but he's the only one that gets caught. So instead of, I guess, turning the kid over to the thing, he takes him in. But uh, So yeah, so that happens, and then he goes to Hong Kong. He's actually, he's deserted his post. He's in the military, and he has deserted his post so he can go compete in this tournament. And they show up at the tournament, and the first thing he has to do is some kind of test of strength where he has to prove that he is capable of competing. And he has to break a brick... But he has to do it from the top down, so the very bottom one's the one that he has to break using what's called the death touch, yeah, and again, something that how many people that were in that tournament would be able to do something like that, and yet he just does it with you know such ease that it's just you know okay this guy's this guy's ready to go,
1: well, yeah, and I mean, I think that. Again, it's kind of building up to what I really liked is, again, I go back to it. It's, it's not just this Westerner who comes over and just dominates this tournament. It's He gets training from a legendary, it's almost like Kill Bill. I mean, I doubt Tarantino watched, had Bloodsport as a main inspiration for Kill Bill. I'm sure he got it from other older Samurai films, but it is that protege type thing where you teach a guy... And he comes over and kind of, or they don't believe that it's, he's a descendant of that fighting style or whatever. So that was kind of cool too, because at that moment people kind of take notice and he's not the underdog the whole movie, which I really liked. And I didn't realize on the rewatch because when I was watching it as a kid or when I, every time I've watched it, I just, I didn't pick up on the fact that he's one of the favorites early on. It's not like a guy who kind of came out of nowhere and people were like, oh, there's no way he's going to win this fight or this fight. Pretty much the whole time, ever since that moment, people he was on everybody's radar in that time. Yeah, it's, it's
0: a little bit different than Lionheart, for instance, where he's kind of almost homeless, and everybody's just still betting against him, even though he's destroyed everybody in front of him. So, yeah, and... So, this... I, I think one of the coolest things is the lead-up where they're showing you how they have to get to the Kumite. It's in this seedy underground of Hong Kong. And... They go in and it's it's almost uh, a lot like Beer Fest. In fact, Beer Fest I'm assuming took most of their thing from Bloodsport, where because it's this whole thing of them going down this tunnel, they see all these weird people doing weird shit, and then they get to the end and they have to do some test or whatever to get in. But as soon as the actual tournament starts, it is one of the coolest. This movie came out in 88, I believe, and it's still one of the coolest. It holds up so well. It's the music, and you can tell, and we'll get into the music a little bit later, but it just feels so much 80s or 90s action movie. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but it's still trying to show off badass stuff, and I just think it does a great job of kind of showcasing these different fighters and these different styles, and showing just kind of the seediness of it. Well, and it gets it gets its seediness, but it's also it's also a, a super
1: respectable tournament. The uh, things kind of get out of hand with with Chun-Li towards the uh, towards the final act and stuff obviously, but for the for the most part, it's one of those things that is kind of seedy. The cops know about it, but they kind of turn, you know, a blind eye to it. And it's just one of those things where it's a really solid tournament it, it's it's legendary it's it's once every five years and so you get that sense of it being a really important tournament that people it's invitation only so I really like that aspect and I like how it doesn't waste much time kind of getting into the tournament a lot of times you'll see it with certain movies that are either it's tournament based or it's like a fight or something in boxing movies you're kind of watching the training for one fight and with this, you get to see Frank fight multiple people. You get to see multiple fights. I think one of the coolest things they did was they had fights going on with characters that weren't Frank or Chun Lee. and so you saw that all these different fighters. And it was it was almost like an appreciation for that type of stuff. When it's, it's kind of like, um, you didn't have to have Van Damme on the screen the entire time mm-hmm. because the fighting was kind of it was kind of kind of like Dirty Dancing in the eighties. I feel like that kind of. Introduce people to a lot of different dance styles and stuff, and this kind of did that for fighting. It kind of opened people's up eyes up for whoa, man! Look at all these different styles and different cultures and all that stuff. So I thought that that was really cool. Now that I've gotten older, I've appreciated that aspect of it a lot more.
0: Yeah. So he he goes through first couple or the the first or before the first day he goes there, and this girl that he likes is getting hassled by these. Other competitors. I guess all the competitors are staying at one hotel or a few hotels. And he does this thing where they can't fight or they'll be disqualified. So he tells them that he can take this coin out of the dude's hand before the guy closes his hand. And not only does he succeed in doing that, but he's also so quick that he is able to place another coin in there so the guy thinks that he won. I mean, just thinking about that. I mean, what if you? I mean, think about how differently that that woman's journey would have been if he would have lost that bet.
1: Yeah, and that's the part of the film I could have, I've could have probably done without. Is any the the whole reporter storyline? I just thought. I mean, again, I get why they have that stuff in there. It kind of, it's kind of just part of it. But that's one of those characters and one of those storylines that, if it wasn't in the movie, it still would have worked the same exact way. It doesn't really have an effect on it. But, but yeah, that that again, it kind of builds towards Frank kind of being kind of a badass. And it's kind of cool seeing that. And then when he gets to the fighting, it he doesn't do anything too, too crazy or outrageous. And that's what I liked. Is when he gets into the on the mat to fight, it's pretty realistic. It's not he's doing this crazy shit where nobody else could do it. He's kind of fighting like you would probably maybe see in an actual fighting tournament.
0: So the next so after the first few fights they it cuts to the guys that are trying to bring him back to, I guess, the army or marines. And one of them is Forrest Whitaker. And it they find him at his hotel and they end up chasing him. And he is is one of the like weirdest chase sequences ever. Because most of the time when a guy is trying to, you know, evade people, he just gets out of there as fast as he can. The people aren't quite as in good a shape as him, but they can, this is the opposite. He is in such superior shape than these guys. He actually has time to joke around. There's a couple of times where he's just sitting there and he's waiting on them. And as soon as they get kind of close, then he'll start going again. And it's just, it's kind of one of those things where it's, it's one of those things where Steven Seagal couldn't have been in this movie because he doesn't have the kind of personality to pull that, that off, but Van Dam is kind of he he has that I'm not gonna say he's funny, but he's got more of a a sensible personality to him to where he's more I guess relatable. He's not just walking around the whole time sulking and telling everybody how badass he is. Yeah. and so that that's a cool scene too where he's just making these guys look fools, and then we go back to him at the Kumite. And it gets to the point to where he has this friend whose name is Ray Jackson, I believe. And Ray Jackson is just this huge, it's the guy, I want to say it's the same dude from Revenge of the Nerds, right? Yeah. And Ogre. And he wins his first fight and calls out Chung Lee, who's the biggest, baddest dude in the tournament. And they end up fighting and he gets a little too cocky. He was doing really well at the beginning, gets too cocky. And ends up almost getting paralyzed by Chong (laughs) Lee. It's one of those things where you get mad. It's kind of like in horror movies where you're like, why didn't you just do this? And it's every time we watch it still, it's like, why didn't you? Van Damme's even telling him, what are you doing? Go finish it or whatever. Yeah. But I thought, but I love that character though of his friend because he just adds a whole other comedic part to the movie to where if he's not in there, it's probably too action oriented. It doesn't have any light moments. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And I mean,
1: I think that. That, that's kind of what adds to the rewatchability of it. That's what kind of adds to the cult status of it is moments that stuff. That's kind of moments where you're kind of wondering why, come on, man, would that guy really be celebrating? Like, But that's why they, these type of movies are so rewatchable is because of just smaller moments that, and plus, if you didn't have that moment, you wouldn't have the great moment of Chun Lee telling him that he's next, or, or, or he says that later in the movie, but you finally get to hear
0: Chun Lee talk in that moment. I yeah, think. I think he has four lines in the entire movie. Yeah. And... But once he, so he almost paralyzed, and that's another thing, is every time, I remember when we were kids, and this movie's rated R, but other than violence, I don't think there's any, there might be a couple of language parts, but there's not nudity or anything. And he, every time that Chung Lee was fighting, we would have to close our eyes at a certain point. This music would, would the certain Chung Lee music would play, And when you get to a certain point to where you would think that something bad was going to happen, we would always have to close our eyes. And looking back, there's only one thing that he does that's super violent, which is where he breaks that dude's leg. Yeah. But when I was a kid and I hadn't seen it, I thought he was kicking dude's heads off. I thought he was breaking, pulling guys' arms from the shoulder out of completely off the body.
1: Yeah, I don't know why I remember that. I don't, I don't remember why seeing this scene yesterday or last night when we rewatched it, but I could have sworn there was a moment where somebody's ki- he kicks somebody's leg or somebody's kicking in their kneecap or the skin on their kneecap. Was that in there?
0: Yeah, this is the one where he stomps on that dude's kneecap or whatever and his bone is sticking out.
1: Yeah, I don't know why in my mind I was I, I when I when I remember that scene in my mind it was part of his skin almost like a rectangular yeah, fashion.
0: Yeah, it, it breaks through the skin.
1: Oh, okay. So I guess I did see it I just but I'm saying the way I had it in my mind was different than when I rewatched it because yeah. I haven't seen this since I probably haven't watched this in 5 years. Mm. So it's been a it's been a while since I've watched it from start to finish. But yeah, I think that the guy who played Chun-Lee like somebody that probably didn't know any English at the time was but Really was a great villain. Somebody that didn't have, when he had moments of dialogue, they were very memorable. And like you said, they were they were kind of, it seemed like they were dubbed. It was like a mixture of dubbed and something else. But that even added to the mystery and the appeal of it to me. And I did that, how they put those scenes in. Because without those scenes, Chun-Li's not doing anything that's really, you're never worried that Frank's going to lose really to him. But you are worried that he's going to do something dirty, which he ends up doing in the final fight, obviously. But that's how they set that up. Of It wasn't the whole time you were like, Frank has no chance to beat this guy. Or the, the, the people at the tournament were like, Frank, you have no shot against this guy. Everybody thought, dude, Frank, you can yeah, win Yeah, there's this actually game, a
0: guy that, he's one of the rich guys that's betting on all the fights. He actually comes up and he's cheering for, for Frank, which I thought was cool, too. Because normally yeah. in movies, and again, this is similar to Lionheart, where... Everybody's betting against him. He, everybody's telling him he's basically going to die. Yeah, and it, it just—I I like the way they do it in this movie way more because it—it it makes him an equal instead of this thing where it's, dude, he's kicked the shit out of everybody. Why is why are people still? And then you kind of get into
1: the if you want to dig a little deeper. Which again, when I was watching it in the past, and I've seen this movie countless times, like. You pick up on things each time you watch it. And the thing I started picking up on was, man, Chun-Li's never been beaten. And then when he pulls that dirty shit with Frank, it's, well, damn, dude. He's a great fighter, no question. But, like, how many times has he done that before? How many times has he kind of almost cheated his way to the top? So I did how they added that element to his character because it, it made it more. That scene worked so much better with that element to it than it would have been if he would have just been getting the shit kicked out. Frank would have been getting the shit kicked out of him for five minutes and then all of a sudden did something one move or something, you know? Right.
0: I think the, another thing I'll do is it's kind of even back and forth. And then Frank, well, let, let's come back to the final fight a little yeah. bit. Cause there's some other things I want to, I want to hit on one of our favorite scenes in the movie is shortly after his friend is put in the hospital and that's where Frank is riding the train from the hospital, I guess back to the hotel. And he's just sitting there just kind of looking out, out of the window and all of a sudden, he gets this look of horror on his face, and he sees in the reflection he sees Chung Lee. Yeah. In the aisle next to him, so he quickly turns around, and he's not there. And it's just one of those things where it's it's this guy's kind of in his head. The best
1: thing about that was he was wearing street clothes. Yeah, he didn't see Chun Li in his fighting clothes. Yeah, which is, it, that's the only version of him he's ever seen. He had a he he was a citizen. He was wearing a suit and a and a blazer or something, and he had his hair different. That was my favorite part about that flashback scene. Is like he's he's such he's in Frank's head so much that he's not worried about he's not having flashbacks in Rocky Four where Rocky's getting beat up by the Russian. He's worried about dying. Frank's just worried that he's there and yeah. he's just on his commute.
0: Yeah, and. There's, there's all these little montages of Jean-Claude Van Damme doing the splits. There's three or four different moments in the movie. The first time, right before they go to the first day of uh, fighting, Ray comes into his room and he's doing, he's between two chairs, completely sprawled out. Yeah, And then later on, he's on top of some kind of skyscraper or something. I don't know, but he's on top of this huge... C- cement block mm-hmm. and just hundreds you know, of of feet in the air and I think that that was his signature thing. I
1: think that's why oh, this movie yeah, was, that's what was so he was popular, popular for, man yeah. because around the late 80s is when you had a shift with your action heroes. Early 80s, mid 80s, you had a lot of Stallone, you had a lot of uh you had a lot of Schwarzenegger and you had a lot of big guys. Big guys either with weapons or big guys just being bigger than other people.
0: Well, and it was more of taking on huge Numbers of enemies, commando. Yeah, where he's just yeah. obliterating hundreds of people. But, this, but that's
1: what I think. That's what Van Dam the strength with Van Dam though, and that's why I think he became such a huge hit, such a movie star, is the same reason, in a different way, but in the same reason that Bruce Willis became such a big star. It's, yeah, he, he he could do stuff that you can't do, but he wasn't this overpowering figure. He's almost, and I'm not comparing him to this, so don't freak out. But almost the same way Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's kind of a smaller guy. But he does incredible things. And with Van Damme, he's kind of a smaller guy. He's not an imposing figure. He's
0: not a giant Schwarzenegger. And he, he's like an like in between between Steven Seagal and Schwarzenegger. Steven Seagal just looks like a normal dude with a ponytail.
1: But Steven Seagal's massive. He's sick. He's got to be six He's five. super
0: tall, but I'm saying he's not super ripped.
1: Yeah, that's another appeal. Van I just Damme meant is. that, toward, I think that that was part of the success was that Van Damme was a guy who could do this stuff. You are saying that with Jackie Chan. Guys who could do the cool stuff. And again, not even comparing him to Jackie Chan because Jackie Chan's a whole new level of stunt work. But I'm just saying that's when you saw this shift of action star. And then after this movie came out, you saw him make a ton of more movies more mainstream not more mainstream but more movies that got bigger releases or had hype around them and so that was kind of unique to me too re-watching it as man th- that's the cool thing I liked about this is it's a sports movie and when we were gonna talk about it during sports month I, I forgot how much of a sports movie it really is because it is all about the tournament it's not mm-hmm. there's nothing there's no fights that happen outside the, the the tournament and I love that about it they have a rule in place about that but you just figure He's going to get jumped outside the thing. They're going to try to take him out of the tournament. There's none of that, man. It's always the tournament. It's, I'm a karate kid.
0: It's 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 an underground, all-valley yeah. tournament. Yeah. And the, the cool thing about it is it's in this, it's in this seedy part of town, and you kind of have to know where you're going to find it. Mm-hmm. But once you get in there, it's really well done. I mean, they have these huge bleachers and stuff and you also have this huge scoreboard up on the top where they put the people and i always thought that was so cool how they throw the names up there and they'll have the english version at the top and then at the bottom they'll have it in Mm -hmm. chinese and that's
1: the thing that's that's what i really liked is it was almost the government or the military or whoever the police knew that this was going on they knew it was going on And if they really wanted to crack down on it, they could probably figure it out. But it was almost they liked that it was going on. It brought more tourists or more people. Or or, they
0: just didn't have an option.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I I do how it wasn't this whole thing where it's in some, you know, it's in some garage that's got, that's just, or in some dude's backyard or something. It's a legit ran tournament. It has a lot of lore to it.
0: So before we get to the final fight, I kind of want to talk about the soundtrack a little bit because the movie that makes me think about this is basketball because there's a scene in there where Trey Parker is, his friend has left him and he's kind of trying to figure out what to do next. And this song comes on the radio and it's specifically, it's talking to him and it, and this movie has a lot of that. So every song First off, one of the first songs is just called Kumite, and it's just them saying Kumite a bunch of times in a row, which is cool. Then they have another song later on where he's where he's riding the train and it's basically talking about loss. <laughs> it's talking about when you're trying, when you're struggling and this and that. And then another song talks about struggling to survive and it's just it's literally telling you word for word what's going on in the movie. And I doubt any of these – I'm, I'm assuming all of these songs were made by someone. They he said, hey, come in. Here's, here's what's going on in the movie. Make a song.
1: But that uh, that's what is missing today in today's movies. I know that sounds silly, but that's what people love about this stuff, man, mm-hmm. is because it was self-aware of what it was. It's, hey, man, we're, we're just making a, a cool guy movie, man. We're making a movie about fighting. We're making a movie about we're going to just put it right out there. We're going to just – we're going to have these songs – and I do miss the days of soundtracks and all that different stuff. Because, like, you used to have things just that. They would write songs or perform
0: songs specifically for a certain movie. Well, and they also, everything now has to have some kind of deeper meaning and some kind of plot hook. This movie doesn't have that. It's, it's, it literally has nothing more than this guy is going to this tournament so that he can win it for his Shidoshi.
1: And that's why it's so successful, that's why people are still watching it, because it's a movie you can flip on at any moment and enjoy it. It does. The movie does not have a whole lot of lulls. There's maybe one or two little lulls in the movie, but it's a very quick movie. If I had to guess, it's probably 90 it's a, minutes.
0: Yeah, it's right at an uh, hour and a half. Yeah,
1: but that's that's the perfect... When you go to the video store, and this was back when people were renting movies from the video store, and it, had, it did very well at the box office. I didn't realize it had done that well at the box office, but... It it became such a movie that I remember when I was at the video store and we'd rent it or whatever. It, it's a hard movie to stay in stock because it's one of those movies that people want to watch over and over and over and over again because it's so enjoyable and it's so easy to watch. There's not there's not a real plot that you gotta keep up with. You just know that there's a lot of fighting and there's a guy's trying to win a tournament. It's very simple. And I think that a lot of movies now, especially action movies, get too complicated with stuff. It's like, dude, just get a likable star known or unknown, I don't care, get a likable star, have a s- super simple plot, and just let the audience dis- let the audience enjoy themselves.
0: Have good fight scenes. Yeah. I mean, the fight scenes for that time were really good.
1: And I'm just telling you right now, I love movies like John Wick. I love movies. I'm just picking the modern action heroes or the modern action movies. Mission you Impossible know?
0: movies. Yeah, Mission
1: Impossible. But there's something to be said about a movie where almost every fight, even though you do know Jean-Claude Van Damme is going to win every single one in this movie, there is stakes to each fight. Each fight has stakes. It's like trying to win the tournament. There's there's a different element. And that's what I loved about the different fighting styles is one minute he's fighting. Wait, what's the word I'm looking for? That big guy. What's oh, he, looks, fight, he almost uh, looks E like Hondo. Yeah, but what's that fighting style? Sumo? Uh, sumo, yeah. Sumo fighting style. Then he's fighting against, you saw all these different ones, whoever that guy was. Kickboxer? Yeah. And so that really made each fight kind of fun and unique.
0: Well, and they also do. Do a thing where they, that was the good thing about them showing these people before they get to Van Damme is you already knew you're, oh man, this is that, this is that guy that does the, squeezes people to death or whatever, not actually to death, but this is the guy that does the, the knuckles thing where he makes people, he has his hands up. And so, yeah, that, that's something that in most fighting movies, you don't ever see the people that are fighting until the end. Another really good movie that does that is Karate Kid. Yeah, where they're just constantly showing different people, and and that was just really cool. And listen,
1: when a montage is done correctly, a montage is an extremely effective tool. I love montages. All right, you you have over Rocky Four is a perfect example. If you want to see movies that do overdo the montage, Rocky Four is probably the biggest overdone montage movie I've ever seen. I still love that movie, but they have way too many montages. But
0: Rocky Three is one of the best.
1: But that's what I'm saying. Montages are great. They can be great. And I think that they do some really good montages in this. And we're about to get into my favorite flashback slash montage here in a minute when we talk about the final fight. But it just shows how... I guess you wouldn't even call it a montage, more of a flashback. But yeah. this movie really does a good job with the flashbacks, with the montages. that They don't overdo it, I don't feel.
0: Yeah, so the final fight starts. It, it's super hyped up. Chung Lee is wearing on his leg the shirt... Of the guy, a of Van Damme's friend, yeah, he's wearing it as a knee, not a neat brace, but just one of those. He's, uh, he's wrapped it around his knee, yeah. And so that's another psychological thing that he's trying to do. Also, his trainer has put some kind of pill in his it's almost shorts chalk almost or something. Yeah, I was thinking of kind, kind of, of like aspirin or something. Something yeah. you could just kind of yeah. But so that's going to come into play later. Well, the fight starts and it goes back and forth. And when Chung Lee realizes that, hey, man, this guy is for real. I might not be able to beat this dude. He quickly pulls this thing out, crushes it up, and throws it into Van Dam's eyes. Mm -hmm. And that's when kind of the fight changes. And you're like, oh, shit. Here we go. And I think they do an awesome job of him not being able to see but still trying to fight. And then... You talked about one of our favorite parts is where he's finally just had enough, and he and he's just sitting in the middle of the thing, and he is trying to get the stuff out of his eyes, and he just lets out like this groan, just anguish. And they do this quick little flashback of him doing going back to all of the times he was blindfolded.
1: Well, not only that, but doing taking a moment to meditate and kind of and again to, to some people they're going to watch this movie, they're going to be silly. It, it, they're gonna say, "Oh, that's silly" or whatever. And yeah, it's stuff that you kind of laugh at, and you kind of the way he does does the the the, the or whatever. It, it is kind of funny. It's a little bit of overacting, but it it adds to the charm of the movie. Again, mm-hmm. it's one of those things when you're talking about it, we're talk we're still talking about that scene twenty years later. If that would have been actual really good acting, might not have had the cool impact that it had. Right. So the the, the the my favorite thing about that whole part is now he's the underdog in a sense of he's gonna get beat by this cheater so i liked how it went from being you never felt he was the underdog he was a badass the whole movie and now he's kind of the underdog in that moment and my favorite part of the entire it's probably my favorite part of the entire movie is that part and when he dodges it and then chun lee throws the ref at him Mm -hmm. and van Dam holding the ref realizing it's him, and then puts him behind him. Yeah. It's probably my favorite part of the entire movie because it shows that was the hero moment. Of, Dude, this guy could have just round the house some, and it would have been justified because we would have been like, oh, he can't see. But to have that and to protect the ref and to move the ref out of harm's way and then kick his ass again is my favorite part. I love it. And it's still... Just one of the cooler climax fights in any movie, in my opinion. Yeah,
0: it's it's definitely one of those things where, and I'm not trying to compare it too much to other movies, but Kickboxer is similar in that you see his brother fight Tong Po, but you only see Tong Po fight in that one match. This, you get to see Chung Lee fight six or seven different people, and he kills one dude, basically cripples three or four other guys. So yeah. it's one of those things where... How good this guy is! It's not just one of those things where you just assume it because of one fight. You're, you're Dude, I've seen him take down so many people, mm-hmm. and yeah, dude, that I, I, I never really thought of it as such a smart scene. But where he does help that ref, and he, and yeah. you can't step off the platform or you're disqualified, mm-hmm. and he's just constantly Van Dam does a very good job of pretending to be blind. Yeah, he
1: does. And look, I'm I'm gonna just come out and say it, man. I think Van Dam. For what he's asked to do in these movies, I I really enjoy you I don't care, you can talk about acting as a craft, he's not a good actor, he's a good actor, whatever you want to say. This dude is so entertaining mm-hmm. and I just I, I just love his movies and I think that's why people loved this movie and people really there for about eight years, Van Damme was such a big star is because he is a very likable guy. He's yeah. a very likable guy and he has a really great screen presence, you know? Yeah,
0: and I think that's the difference between him and guys Seagal. And that those were the two guys at that time who were at the top. Yeah. And I think that's why people, in my opinion, anyways, gravitated more towards Van Damme, is because Van Damme wasn't afraid to kind of make fun of himself, kind of with the in Kickboxer, where he has that scene where he's just dancing and they got memes and yeah. gifts of it. And. He wasn't afraid to do that. Where Segal was just, nah, man. You hear stories about him being on Saturday Night Live, and it's just a disaster because mm-hmm. he's just. But, but yeah, Van Dam and I would almost say I don't really consider him an actor. I consider him an entertainer. Yeah, he doesn't have that great acting presence, but every time he's on the screen, you're you're excited to see what he's gonna do because he he's got that that charm, and of course he's got the great feats that he can do where he was splitting legs or roundhouse kicks or whatever. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so then at the end, he obviously wins, goes back, sees his friend in the hospital. And then it shows him getting on the airplane to go back because he promised the military people that if they let him finish the tournament, he would, he would go back. Mm-hmm. And then it starts scrolling down of all the real Frank Dukes and all these records he has. And there's some debate Online, if it's, Online, legit if or it's not. how legit it is, but yeah. but again, to me, I wouldn't care if it was legit or not because it's still a great story. Yeah, I don't not, watch
1: this movie. It's based on true events. Yeah. Or it's based Those on things biopic. are always embellished. Yeah, yeah. and I, and I do how the decisions were made for the cops. It didn't become this thing where the cops, you're not going to fight, Frank. They ended up watching the damn thing and enjoyed the hell out of it. And then at yeah. the end of it, they're all, there's almost like this mutual respect. Because they're like, geez, man, this guy's a freaking beast. Yeah. And then same with his friend. We kind of laughed because at the end they were like, I love you, brother. And he's like, I love you too. Yeah, they met three days ago. And we're damn, dude, that was a quick. But you start thinking about it. It's two two Westerners, two guys who come over here. They're fighting, honestly, almost to the death. And that it, it's almost like that bunker mentality in a war yeah. movie or something so it is kind of silly there's overacting in parts there's there's some dubbing issues and stuff like that but again all this it's happy accidents all these things make for such a great cult classic and there's a reason people are still talking about it 20 something years later 30 something years later i guess right or no 20 something
0: no 30. It came over 30 yeah 2018 would have been 30
1: That's what I'm saying. And people are still talking about it, and people will still be talking about it. And you mentioned all those movies and shows and stuff. It influences so many different things, and there's just such an appeal to it. And I just, to close out my thoughts on it, it's a movie that held up, because again, I hadn't seen it in about five years. It held up exactly what I'd hoped it would. Right, Where it was an 80s movie, and it felt like an 80s movie, but it was still a lot of fun, and it was still really, really good, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think... The biggest thing for me, and I actually mentioned this last night when we were watching it, I said, with all of the remakes and reboots, I cannot believe that this hasn't been touched. I mean, they made a sequel, Bloodsport 2, but it was had nobody you've ever heard of in it. and But they haven't really done yeah. anything with it since then. I'm just shocked because this, this is a movie that people would, if you put the right people in there, it would be huge today. And so again, this is one of our movies that I don't even know if I want to call it a guilty pleasure because I, I just feel it's a really entertaining movie. And if you're, and if you're not sitting there t- dissecting it too much, if you're there to just have a good time, I, I, I have very hard time believing you won't. Well, movie. and that's what, that's what we were saying. Movies have forgotten and there's
1: great movies that are being made. Don't get me wrong. But movies have forgotten to do the number one thing they're designed to do. And that's to entertain. And this movie entertains the entire way. And so, yeah, I don't have any guilt loving this movie because it entertains me, and it's 90 minutes. While I'm watching it, that's what I'm focused on, and it's a blast. And so I hope Hollywood notices, like, eventually gets back to making some more of these type of movies because these are the movies that I really think there's an audience for.
0: Well... Justin, I think that'll just about wrap it up. Thanks for taking the time to talk about one of our favorite movies. Like I said, all of September, we're going to be talking about sports movies. If there's something that you want to add about Bloodsport, whether you liked it or loved it or hated it, let us know. We also have a website, movieseasonszn.com. And if you like the podcast, make sure to leave a comment and subscribe. Guys, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.